Our dearest patrons, I must first express my gratitude for the support each and every one of you lends to us for the creation of the Week in Horror podcast. We could not produce this show, bring each of you along for our further journeys into filmmaking, or truly celebrate this genre of chills, frights, and that which goes bump in the night the way it was meant to be celebrated, together. It is with this profound gratitude that for this month's After Dark special, we make available to you an excerpt from J.L. Warren's upcoming cosmic horror novella, The Beach Bay Chronicles, as read by the author. We do hope you enjoyed the small literary contribution to the genre we all hold so dear. As always, thank you so much for your support, and stay scared. The Beach Bay Chronicles Excerpt Chapter 1 Welfare Check To Whom It May Concern The morning had started out quietly enough. Coffee and Eggs Benedict at Pamela's Seaside Cafe, the winding route to the station house, and the routine leisure that each officer of the BP including myself over the past seven years, had grown accustomed to. It was a standard of practice that I had grown to appreciate, one I had nearly forgotten in my years coming up as a detective in the north of the city. I had come to Beach Bay because they needed a sheriff, and because I also desperately needed a break from the increasing decay of civilization. It was just what the doctor had ordered, the cleansing my mind and soul desired and I quickly found myself in love with my secluded little town on the coast. I received an early call to conduct a welfare check. The caller had been female, and I assumed much older, her voice like a feathery gravel from what I guessed was at least a two, two-pack-a-day habit. She spoke quickly, urgently even, and disconnected before I could get her name and information, leading me to half-believe that the call had been nothing more than the local teens pulling a stunt for some much-needed attention. But something in her insistence pawed at my mind, tickling some mix of concern and curiosity at what I might find. As the morning once again looked to stretch into its tedious banality, I decided the fresh air would do my humor some good and proceeded to respond to the call. I remember the morning sun glinting off the rust-tinged chrome of my faded cobalt crown Victoria as I pulled the veteran vehicle in squealing protest to a stop at 1937 Colspeck Road, three blocks from the eroded antiquity of Beach Bay's originating colonial freestones. It's a beautiful part of town, full of history and forgotten architecture, an area that I particularly enjoyed meandering through when given the opportunity. I exited the vehicle and took in the incredible age of the house itself. Though in moderate disrepair, the families that had lived there certainly did what they could to maintain the original aesthetic, though in these days, maintaining history can come at a steep price, and not everyone is able to afford such luxuries. I proceeded up the walkway, its corners uneven, adorned with spiderweb cracks and jutting weeds, and stepped onto the porch. In the shade... I was surprised at how humid it suddenly was, as though a great wave of moisture had just rolled in from the beach ocean and landed squarely on my back. 
Taking a deep breath through my nose and adjusting my collar, I could feel a stray bead of sweat form at my temple as I knocked on the salt-worn wood of the once ornate front door. There was no response to my first knock, so I turned my hand and knocked again using my academy graduation ring, remembering quickly that the male occupant of the home was reportedly quite elderly. The gentleman may have fallen and couldn't reach the door, or perhaps he merely couldn't hear me. I waited briefly, listening intently for any noise from within, but I failed to pick up the slightest sound, aside from the humming wind coming in off the coast. Nodding to myself, I grasped the baroque brass doorknob and gently turned it, fully expecting it to hold fast against the strike plate. A pang of surprise hit my stomach when I heard the clean snap of the latch bolt, and the door swung open with an unanticipated ease uncommon among antiquities possessing such an aged veneer. As the door cracked open, I announced myself loudly into the home, but again received no response. At this point, I cannot honestly say if it was the sweat pouring down my back from the thick air outside or my concern for the man inside that drove me into that house, but I like to think it was both, and thus I made both my entrance and escape. Stepping into the main foyer of the ancient brownstone, one would anticipate a decline in the stifling air, so the sheer force of my skin opening to the thick damp air within the home was an unaccustomed shock. My dull gray suit jacket was suddenly heavy and encroaching. A keen awareness of the downward tug of the Colt 38 Special in my holster, the grasping length of my suspenders, the thickness of the worn notepad in my left breast pocket, my intuition seeming now to beckon my departure from the dilapidated house on the sun-splashed bayside corner of Colspecton Beach. The floorboard seemed older in sound than in appearance. Their history expressed in unintelligible groans and sighs. Ahead of me, seven feet through an invisible, dripping gauntlet, was a worn door, four-paneled, strikingly old, and slightly ajar. A steady stream of light from within played out a stripe of urea upon the tattered floral wallpaper plastered throughout the hallway. Despite a gnawing hesitation, I headed forward and reached the door. It struck me that I had not picked up a single sound at this point, a realization that froze me in my tracks. My ears pricked for anything. If there were ghosts, they weren't talking today and nothing living moved. In this humidity, what could? I slowly drew my sidearm, grasped the slick brass of the doorknob, braced for another wall of hot damp, and eased open the entry into the next room. The frigid wash of cold that struck my cheeks triggered alarms throughout my deeper senses. The articulation escaped me, but I comprehended on some primal level that it had been a grave mistake to enter this room. Every salty droplet instantly bit into the nape of my neck in unison. The morning's hollandaise sharply tapped the back of my throat, burning in acid protest as I swallowed it down for the second time today. My intuition, well nourished by morning eggs and thirty years on the force, said run. But my brain simply could not listen. What I saw demanded my intrusion. It was, after all, my job. The old man was seated firmly, in a rotting, overstuffed armchair, the color of two-day feces. He was rigid, eyes closed, and mouth clenched, his time-worn skin pulled tight in what could have been a grimace, possibly resignation. The taciturn corpse said nothing. I'd have to find my own answers. The room itself was in disarray, an ocean of chaos, the elderly gentleman enthroned upon a moldering, fetid island, Though muted by the cold, an acrid smell hung lightly in the air, a twisted musk of moldering newspaper, diesel exhaust, and ammonia. 
Oddly, the man in the chair presented a distinguished character, well-coiffed and tailored. Wispy, white hair, neatly parted and groomed, nose turned slightly upwards, a three-piece pinstripe and mirror-shine shoes. More than I could ever afford. I stepped towards him and felt the wet give of the faded rug beneath my feet. It was soaked clean through, the absorbed liquid pooling around the pressures of my soles. I watched as it crept outwards from the darkly stained oriental onto the exposed floorboards beneath, the fluid moving a touch too slowly for my own taste. It looked thick, oily, and unsavory. I turned back towards the old man, the posture gentleman poised to accept that which his eyes saw last. It was then that I saw it. The dark, ill-defined object clenched in his left hand. It drew my attention to the simmering nightmare bubbling up before me. My eyes quickly tore away, glancing around the room, hoping for an intruder or anything to break the suffocating quiet. When all seemed safe, they came back to rest upon the small bas-relief in the dead man's hand. I leaned closer, searching for any details hidden within the dim, jaundiced light, but soon realized that the closer I peered at the small figure, the less I was able to discern. Nonetheless, it was captivating, and it seized my full attention. So much so that the first faint slap of the viscous fluid beneath my feet failed to fully register. The second, however, surely did. My gaze turned slowly towards the noise, partly in protest, partly in distraction, because in the cold name of full disclosure, I did not want to take my eyes off the clawed figurine fervently clutched in the old man's hand. Something moved. Something wet. Something cold. Something wet and cold brushed the skin of my calf from inside the leg of my trousers. I taste copper. Shocked, I spun and fell into the chair, my eyes coming to rest upon the face of the poised corpse who long ago had accepted his fate. My gaze fell to the rigor tendons of his neck, the pallid skin stretched impossibly tight, and that which stole my breath away, the twitching of his throat, a swell that was slowly gravitating upwards to the nearest point of egress. My instincts pled for me to leave, begged me to pull away. They knew before I did. Somehow, I knew that the decades of bodies, blood, death, and despair that choked my past were a shadow to what was seeking its freedom within the dark recesses of the deceased before me. This organic coffin veneered with priestly dourness from which something holy and pious sought to gain entrance to the world beyond. My eyes fixed upon the corpse's lips, trembling independently of its nervous system. A sudden slapping sound beneath my feet, a wet, slick, fluid mop of indeterminate origin, broke me from whatever heinous spell that had held me so fast to that infernally moist chair. I was not wanted here, and what was here meant for me to leave, or never leave. I knew innately that the choice was mine, though it would not be for long. A quick glance behind me as I lunged for the door revealed something black, something slick and dripping, sliding behind the far side of the rotting chair, just beyond my sight. I exited the freezer box and slammed face first into the cottony wall of dense air within the foyer. My breath strangled in my chest, my lungs seized at nothing, and everything descended into a sweeping white blur as my stumbling frame connected with the entrance door. The sour wood of the door jam gave way in an instant, thick splinters exploding outward onto the porch as the door hinges sheared out of their beds and sprung outward, the house vomiting me back into the thick salty breeze in presumed safety of benevolent sunlight. 
Feeling the assuredness of concrete beneath my feet, my reeling mind began to calm. The details of the day began to flood my thoughts, desperately compiling the pieces into place to create some framework of the transpired events. Morning coffee, two sugars, two cream, eggs at Pamela's, the winding road, sign-in, officer rotation schedules, duty rosters, messages, the tedium, the phone call. It was a simple welfare check. And then this occurrence, this momentary journey into a dripping fetid nightmare shrouded in the eerily familiar, the stench of high tide and ocean decay lingering beneath the musty odor of moth-eaten suits and potpourri, an old man whose final sights having rent him silently from this world now slithering amongst his pale-sheeted bones, awaiting new travelers to grasp upon and plague with the sleepless horrors of the dead and dreaming. I knew there would be questions, and I knew I would have no answers. I knew that this would affect me. I knew that none of it mattered. None of it would, so long as venturing into that luxury-veneered portal of damnation was neither a requirement nor a request. Others much younger than I often required some undefined action to find their closure upon a lingering case file, their minds never tiring until some miraculous and explosive event lends itself to prompt and easy compartmentalization. My career has taught me to manufacture my own. I recounted nothing in my report that could risk calling my sanity into question. Whatever monstrosity had been summoned into that crumbling place, I could not justify its existence beyond my own experience. Looking back, I did not know it would be my final beat upon those sandy streets. The idyllic beachside strata stretched out before it, the ocean, and all her briny secrets beyond that. Secrets that I will keep to the grave. As I have related this, I lay my career to rest with full acceptance that, regardless of your understanding or lack thereof of the events I have described, I will not be returning to duty and take my immediate leave of the Beach Bay Police Department. The spirit is willing, but the body and mind simply cannot follow, nor do they want to. With regards, D. Williamson.